Welcome to The Scrub Life, a podcast for and about the incredible profession of surgical technology. I'm Chris Blevins, and our mission at The Scrub Life is to educate the public about surgical technology. Each episode dives into the wonderful world of surgery, where we inform and hopefully entertain our listeners while interviewing amazing individuals within the field and presenting the hot topics everyone wants to know more about. Certified surgical technologists are an integral part of the sterile team that cares for patients in the operating room. Learn more about this exciting field, the immense effort that goes into educating future CSTs, and how you too can become a ninja of the OR. Now, without further ado, here's the latest episode of The Scrub Life. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Scrub Life podcast. Um, Today, I have the privilege of getting to hang out and talk to uh, just a really cool guy. Um, So Jason Bonavito is with me today. And how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate you being here. Um, And so I I just really want to get to know you more and your career as a first assist. But first of all, let me just say, hey, congratulations and happy National Surgical Assistant Week, Uh, the inaugural one. That's right. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. We we CSTs have had one for a while, so it's kind of nice that you also get a week where you get, what, free pizza from the hospital. Correct, correct. Sometimes we don't even get that, but we get something. Right, absolutely. Uh, You get a pat on the back. There we go. (laughs) Well, so I think I want to start out, first of all, by uh, just getting some of your personal background, whatever you are comfortable with sharing. But, um, uh, you know, who is Jason Bonavito as just a a human being? Correct. So I'll give you a rundown. I started off not even in medical. I started off in uh, retail sales and uh, worked for General Nutrition Center. So I sold vitamins and health uh, products um, at a young age, um, kind of right out of school, uh, high school, just got a job, got hit the market. I progressed straight from retail to commercial investment real estate. I went right to become a top-notch realtor selling multi-multi-million dollar buildings, offices, commercial retail centers, and it took my ability to deal with people to a whole different level. Yeah. Now, in 2007, uh, the market crashed. Yeah. And it put me into a position where I just had a newborn baby. Like, I, I needed to figure out what I really wanted to do. Now, I had a friend uh, who was actually um, my wife's cousin who worked in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So he had a position that was just, you know, start off in sterile processing. Right? So I'm a a suit wearing guy and I like working with my hands. I like knowing. Yeah. So I took a position in central sterile learning yeah. instruments. Yep. Oh my gosh. What a, I, I just think what a juxtaposition between the corporate world. Correct. And being basically in the basement, you know, that is very in the zone. 
It yeah. was in the basement and it was learning instrumentation, sterilization, decontamination. So I knew my main goal was to, to support my family, to, to put food in my, my newborn baby's mouth, right? So I did whatever I had to do. A, a normal individual would do the absolute same thing. Sure. Now, my mother was a nurse. So my mother knew like, you know, the ins and outs of like, so we had something in common. We would talk about this stuff. So I was, I put my, my head straight into the, the grindstone, knowing all the commercial real estate, knowing that hard work pays off. I started in, in sterile processing. I did that for a few years. Yeah. As soon as I knew. Now, once you once you love what you do, you 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 tend to understand the ins and outs of everything. What things do, what things need to be. Yeah. Um, focusing on that, I directed. Someone asked me from the OR, "Would you like to come and see why you sterilize the instrument? Like, would you like to see a procedure?" Yeah. And there was like, I worked with a dozen different people and everyone kind of was like, nah, we're happy in sterile processing. We're happy sterilizing instruments. And I, in, inside me, I knew that was something I, I wanted to see. And I was a little nervous. Maybe I wouldn't like it. Maybe I would. So I ended up one day going upstairs and watching a tonsillectomy. A tonsillectomy. <laughs> Way to start. Yeah. The tonsillectomy. Yeah. And, yeah, I was, and the surgeon was like, come on over my shoulder. Oh. I knew right then and there, right yeah. then and there, I need to do this. I need to be in the OR, right? I also think that it's important to note that you're, I think you understand the long game. Um, yeah. Many of our students don't understand that, you know, hard work. Yes, they maybe understand hard work. But they don't understand that sometimes you got to put in the grind exactly. over and over and over again to be successful. And I think that that probably was um, a tool you had from real estate uh, that really helped you when you got into this field because you knew that hard work over a long period of time was going to, was going to help, you know? That's 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a motto that has been instilled in my family. And I mean, people who I surround myself with um, have that same mentality. Sure. Um, so initially, knew right then and there, surgery was for me. So I, I took the initiative to go back to school. So that, I have a question though, before we go back into school, because I kind of wanted to start with your personal um, stuff. I saw on some social media and um, in your email and also it says DJ F.A. Bonavito. So, 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 so I, I'm curious. And so okay. before we get into the meat and potatoes, uh, yeah, what's that it. about? You're going to love it. Okay. <laughs> so growing up, so I, I'm not originally from, and you can tell by my accent, South Carolina, right? I'm born and raised on Long Island, New York, right? So New York is a whole different app. Right? It totally With is. I went to college there. Yeah. Correct. So extremely high taxes, extremely high everything. Yeah. Um, I want to say that the, 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 it's not a proper word, but rat race is kind of what uh, New York in generalized is. You, you grind your way through to make, make ends meet. So I would literally work full time in doing real estate or retail and then work part-time as a DJ. <laughs> so I, had a part, I had a partner that I worked well with and we would do weddings and, and uh, birthday parties and nightclubs. I was a nightclub DJ for since 1999 up until like basically until my, my son was born. Yeah. And, uh, that was how I paid for gas money and the extra taxes, you know, whatever it was. So yeah, so D DJ Bonavito was my email sales. <laughs> 
Um, it's just you, you always had to do something. I've had so many. It's your things. side hustle, exactly. right? Yeah. Now it's become like more of a bedroom style. Like I just want to play for me. Yeah. Uh, masses, but um, you know, as you get older, I'm in my mid forties. I I don't want to stay out past eleven o'clock anymore. <laughs> I'm in bed by eight o'clock every day. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Um, I completely concur with that. So, well, I just, I love that part of it. And I really just, I was curious and, um, and I, you know, just, I need to keep that in mind in case I need, I need uh, well, assistant. So, 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 so from a board director to a board director, right? yeah. the, the aspect of DJing and being in front of a crowd helps me when I'm on stage introducing people or getting used to like taking the microphone and announcing or actually doing any presentations. Um, I ran for national um, board of directors with last year in, in Las Vegas for AST. Right, I um, and you're in front of hundreds, maybe a thousand people. Um, you just have to, it's very hard, but it's something you can, you can work on and you just be you. It's hard, yeah. it's very hard, but just be you, let just. that come through. Um, focus on one thing, not on the mass. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I can tell you that I relate to that by just doing the podcast. Correct. You know, it's yeah. something different. Uh, talking in front of my students, uh, no big deal. I can do it all day. But then, um, you know, when you go outside of your normal comfort zone, it, yeah, it, uh, it's a, it's a learned skill, right? I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, so tell me. Um, I love the fact that a tonsillectomy lit your fire. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Here's so, another little cool tidbit. I, told, I remember this now uh, since 2009, I think. Uh, nine, yeah. So I remember going upstairs from Star Crossing, running up like a scope or something to a room. And I remember standing outside the door and looking in the little window into the OR. And I see the surgical technologist. I don't remember her name, but I clearly remember seeing her like dancing and bopping her head to music playing. And I'm like, she is having fun. Yeah. Like setting up her table. Like, you know, and I'm like, that's just, it's, it's, everything just coincides. Like that looks like what I want to do. So I knew right there, that's yeah. what I was going to do. Um, so when you are in the OR, do you have any control over the music? I, I, Curious. I census the side. We all kind of have like what we don't want to work. Right. I, think I mean, me and you, we all, I think all of surgery um, staff will basically say, like, what can we all listen to? What do we not want to listen to? Right? Like, it's usually something of rap or whatever. It, I, I have nothing against it. I just, um, you know, my preference, you would never believe, even in a DJ world, I love EDM, but I actually, I actually love like reggae. Yes. We do a reggae Friday every once in a while. I do that with plastic surgeon and this surgeon. It's such a calming feel, but we only do it once in a while. Once a week. It's too much. To right. I, yeah. I love that. And I think that uh, that's kind of one of those misconceptions. People don't know that music's a huge part of the flow in an OR and operating rooms are noisy. And if it's not noisy, that means something's not going well. Um, right. Obviously, so, you know, there's a yeah. time for music and there's time not. Yeah. Yeah. That. Well, very cool. So, okay, you decide this is the love of your life. This is what you want to do. Where did you, um, where'd you go to school? So I went to um, Northport BOCES, which is Board of Educational Services for, it's like technical program. So it was um, a hard program to get into. They would take 10 applicants 
um, I guess two, three times a year, four times a year, every quarter. Yeah. Um, and it was a, you know, it was an expensive program at the time. I personally was paying for it and I was already in, uh, oh, I don't remember how old I was, um, late twenties, you know, early thirties. So I was like an adult at the time. So, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I was making money working full time. I wasn't going to get financially none of that. So I paid for it. I got into the program. Um, you know, interviewed and everything. They loved, you know, they loved it. The fact, and it was, it was a fun, it was a great program. My teachers, I am still in contact with. I actually spoke to my teacher, one of my main teachers, like two days ago. And I did, she looks at me and I look at her and I say, not every chance I get, I, I basically say, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. And she's like, look at this, look at, look at one of my students, look where he is right now. It's, it's, you know, he's, international he's doing state level he's running all different things on his own company um, i think that as an educator i can tell you and I, I completely um understand her perspective because uh i love it when my graduates come back and it is it's a mama bird moment like you you know you finally kick them out of the nest and then you watch them fly and uh, it can be very emotional we're so proud of you guys whenever yeah. you go on because we want you to be bigger and better and yeah. do more I yeah. think one of the things that I'm going to do, uh, I go back to New York, and since COVID, I have not been able to go back to New York very much. But the next time I go back, I want to talk uh, to our students. Like, I want to go into the classroom, and I want to basically, you know, sit with my teacher and, and talk to the students. Because I do it in South Carolina. Every state assembly, spring yeah. and fall, I grab all these students, and I, I tell them great funny stories. I tell them how rewarding it is. Um, keep your head focused. Don't give up. Um, Play the I'm, long game. I'm go back to where I sat. I want to see the desk that I sat and tell somebody like, you know, not, I don't like bragging because I'm not, I'm not someone that's going to brag, but I want to let people know like that there's no stopping whatever you want. Great. Your accomplishments, uh, yeah. you should be proud of those. You worked for them. You earned them. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I love that idea. COVID is, uh, COVID's, you know, messed with a lot of plans, but I hope you get that chance and I want to hear about oh, it. I will. I will. Yeah. Well, so how long were you um, a CST before you thought, hey, I think I want to do more. I want to, you know, first assisting. What even made you go down that path? Okay. So here's, here's a very, very interesting fact. I was in class. Now, I had not even gone to clinical, and we're talking 2010, mm -hmm. okay? I was school from 2010 to 2011, and I knew, so the teacher was going over everything. Basically, it was like, what can the surgical technologists do? What are the roles, right? What are the roles of the job description? And she was going over all of them, and I'm like, that is awesome. That is like what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then she she jumped off the the road of path and she says well you know that sometimes surgical technologists work in offices and you know there's this other thing called surgical first assisting and i don't know why i just raised my hand and i said what's the difference between a surgical technologist and a surgical first assist mm -hmm. and she i don't know if she knew exactly because new york doesn't um they don't accredit they don't credit that so it's either you are a cst an RN or a PA. Mm -hmm. So she told me, she goes, oh, I think the first assist can manipulate tissue, cauterize, suture. And I was like, suture? <laughs> like, I can close, I can like throw a stitch. I can, 
And she said, yeah. And I said, well, that's what I want to do. I love that. 2010, 2011, I believe it was. I was like, wow. So when I came out in the field, um, it was tough because I knew I loved, I loved being what I did. I started off trauma one hospital. Mm -hmm. I worked at three or four different places, surgery centers. I was taught my peers in school who I'm, who I'm still friends with were the best of her class. They were ahead of me by five years or 10 years, whatever they were. They went through the same program, mm -hmm. but they were phenomenal. And these people are still operating. They're still scrubbing. They're still doing it. But they were the ones that everybody would talk about. And I don't know how I ended up with them, but what happens is when you come out of school, you go into school, I think they categorize people and say, how strong are they? And what can they do? Because I was doing you know, 80 fistulas. I had done like a, I was like, I main scrub a triple A while the, the backup scrub that, you know, when you're a student, mm -hmm. you your preceptor there, was yeah. sitting in the corner, you yeah. know, just watching. And I think at that point it was like, I was taught and I was dealing with the harder surgeons mm -hmm. where I went and I enjoyed it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was always up for a challenge. I was always up to like try to be better. Um, and I, I see the lucky thing is that all those years I put in sterile processing. Oh, implementation. Right. I, I mean, I, I knew, oh, you don't need that. Use this. Mm -hmm. Or, um, oh, that other tray over there. That's where you want to find ladies. Like I yeah. knew, I knew everybody's sets were relatively different, but all the same. So uh, were you, um, I know that you were in New York, um, when you decided to go to first assist, uh, or become a surgical first assist. Where did you go to school? Um, and, you know, how was that for you and your family? Yeah, so um, it was 2014. Uh, prices were skyrocketing. Everything in all around New York was tripling. And I was working a full-time and a part-time. My wife was working full-time and a part-time. And it just seemed too much. Yeah. And I knew that first assisting was something I wanted to do, but when I contacted, so my, my cousin lives in the area I live in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Italian kid from Long Island, no one leaves, right? So my cousin left, he went to USC, uh, the University of South Carolina, never came back home, right? Which doesn't happen in New York. You don't leave. Yeah. Right? So I was always questioning why, where do you go? He moved down to this place where I live currently, which is uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It's adjacent to Charles. Yes. It is a paradise. It is a little vacation home spot where you're five minutes from the beach, you're five minutes from the, the, the culture, the tree, everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's gorgeous. I, told, I said, if they built a hospital in this area, in this neighborhood, I would love to live there. And they did. They, my cousin called me and says, you're not going to believe. They're building a hospital. It's like right around the block. It's, um, it's a sister hospital to a gigantic system that's in the area. So I was like, I wonder if they hire first assist. So I contacted HR and I spoke to a wonderful lady. And she said, um, we do, we do um, you know, we accept the NDSCSA CSFA, the first certified surgical first assist. I'm like, I would love to do that. And when she told me the pay, mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, that's more than I'm making in New York. And the and cost of living. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, win-win. 100% win-win. 
So the, the, the hard thing is though, I had to, I had to move the whole family here, right? So I did that in 2015. I came down six months before then. I started as a CST mm -hmm. and I initially started process of going to school. I decided, luckily, I found out that the system I worked for only accepts NDSCFS, right? Right. I looked up the number one, you type it in, number one college or school for first assisting and I was Meridian Institute. So I was like, there you go. So I, I got the pay. I literally had the paperwork before I moved. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I, just to clarify for the people that are listening that may not have our background, um, the National Board of Surgical Technology and Surgical Assisting is the organization that oversees and creates these certifying exams um, yeah. for both the CST which is the trademarked, you know, for AST, the Certified Surgical Technology, or Technologist, sorry. And then, of course, the Certified Surgical First Assist. Yeah. Um, and so uh, just to give some clarification, you have to have graduated from an accredited program in order to uh, sit for those exams or military training. Right. Um, but then, uh, and so just to kind of clarify that little alphabet soup, I think, because we yeah. can speak in our own language and, uh, and people are like out in left field, you know, uh, so, so Meridian Institute, uh, I obviously, um, I would like to just give them a shout out real quick because Dennis Stover and Lance and Katie Noyce and, um, and Trey and wow. all of their instructors, that's a phenomenal team. Oh, yeah. Um, and they've got one heck of a lab. Uh, I, I had the privilege of going down there and seeing it and just a really great program. And, um, and so, you know, they're obviously doing a good job. And so you got accepted there, which yeah. they are in Nashville. You were moving to Charleston. Oh, yeah. And um, talk about the logistics of that. So, so Meridian at the time, so that was 2015, 16. Um, you would do your uh, didactics. You do your your schoolwork currently online with modules. You'd have to get uh, certain things done every single week, mm -hmm. and then you have to go for a week and a half, a uh, little over a week and a half or a week, to Nashville. And right. you'd have to focus. Once you went to Nashville and did all your hands-on, and you were passed on your hands-on, that's when you were re released back to your facility with a contract with. Meridian and the facility to do your 145 elective cases. The elective, elective cases had to be certain general, certain ortho, like a variety. Right. Um, before they would, and passing with Meridian, that's when you would basically be able to sit for MDS, DSA. Right. And so your, um, were you able to do your clinical rotations at the hospital that you were currently employed at? And how did, I guess, did you have to separate the two? So, so you do. Um, so legally, um, you cannot. So, for instance, I couldn't go in uh, scrub and then double scrub as an FA student because I was on the clock. When you're on the clock, you're an employee. When you're off the clock, you are considered a student with your um, student privileges, your student insurance. Um, you know all those different things. You can't do them together. You get in a lot of trouble. It's against the law. Um, it's like double dipping into certain things. Um, so yeah, so I would work 
But you know what? This so Chris, this has always been my life. I went to school full time and worked full time. Right. <laughs> it's everything I did. It's like I had to do it together. So I did that with CSP school. I did that with you know working and, and having a second job. This was just something else. This was basically work forty hours a week, and then as soon as I was done, I clock out. I go back in as a student and do you know cases until whenever. Like how to get it done, and I enjoyed it. Um, you, uh, I guess, do you have any advice for people who um, are terrified of that? You know, the the short term pain for long term gain. That pain is that pain is real and it can hurt. And and you had a family as well. So yeah, of course, of course. when if yeah. someone is thinking about doing school and listening to this, and there's like, there's no way you. When did you sleep? When did you eat? When did you breathe? Yeah. So pain is momentarily right. So time's gonna fly by. It doesn't matter. It's not gonna stop for anybody. So you you get it done, right? We'll go through it just like school. Our school's been like that for everybody, right? It's it, it feels like it it feel honestly it feels like before you start it's this huge thing, but by the time it's over you're like where did it go, right? Like people graduate and you're like two years just went by in two seconds. Um, so start it, start it strong, keep focused. Um, and, and take care of yourself, honestly. That's it. You're your number one advocate. Yes. If you don't eat well, take care of yourself, help buy everything. I mean, that's that it's you, and that's really what you have to focus on. Um, it all so, works out, it all pays off. Hard work pays off. I mean, that's my I, mind. I love that. That's a very, it's a very optimistic, yet at the same time, realistic uh, view. I and and that um I think has served you well. How long is that was the uh was the FA um, schooling uh, to include clinical? Like, were you on a time crunch? Did you only have a certain yeah. amount of months to complete your uh, your cases? I believe it's 12. So you get, um, whenever you, so the, the module, so all the academic stuff can take about a year, 12 mm -hmm. months, all different programs. I think maybe it can be more now. There's actually newer programs that I, I wish I actually, um, like Meridian has just, they excelled past like every year they get better and better yeah um, so i don't know exactly where it is currently but when i did it I, I, and it's hard for me to, to remember exactly but there's tw 12 months of academic once you went to meridian and did your hands-on you came back you could get your 145 cases however you wanted oh great but what i did know is i love first i love assisting so much that if i would have put in my last batch of uh, clinical, like of my cases, mm -hmm. you close out. When you close out your 145, you no longer can go and assist as a student. Like you're, you're basically done. So I literally, if there was a minimum, I, I swear I have a package somewhere in this house. Um, <laughs> I think I did over like 200 and something, right? I just never submitted the, the others. I kept on doing them because I mean, they, they what happens is when you when you originally start working with a surgeon, they're teaching you, they're, you're you're learning everything. Then they just they look and they rely on, right? And that's my whole career. My whole career now is basically working with somebody so well and knowing everything that they need and 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 progressing. They don't want it. Not that they don't want to do it without you. They just look forward to doing it with you. Yeah. Well, and you are the easy button, which right. is wonderful because then they can completely focus on the patient. As opposed to worrying about these distractors that are equally important, but can take away from that, 
you know? 100%. 100. Oh. Four, so, four eyes focusing mm -hmm. on, on one page. I agree. Uh, it's, so, it's focusing on one thing, me focusing on another, all for the same cause. Yeah. And, uh, and the patient ultimately is the person who benefits the most, 100%. which is, you know, why we do what we do. Yeah. Right. Well, so what was the CSFA exam like? Uh, you know, I think I remember being so incredibly nervous decades ago when I first took the CST exam. Uh, I, you know, I, did it feel similar to that exam or is it well, you know, different? I don't know. They, it was I, a long time I, ago. I'm sorry to shake no, the no, confidence. No. This it, is amazing. So I do, <laughs> I remember this perfectly because I am not a great test taker. But what I've, what I've personally learned, and, and I actually think if, if students understand this, and anybody in life understands this, is your gut will your gut will tell you what is right and wrong. Yes, yes. So so I went through, I've always gone through tests. And if I went back through the test or or I wasn't sure of my initial answer and changed it, I was always yeah. I was there's, always there's my dog. Sorry about that, everyone. No worries, no worries. So I took, I remember perfectly, I, I sat down, this is funny, I sat down for the test and it was a computer module based test, fingerprinted, the whole nine um, in uh, 30 minutes from my house. I show up, I'm, I'm really pumped up. Now I took my test as soon as possible, right? So Meridian was like, all right, you passed, you're, everything's good to go. Um, you can set your date for whenever, but they have to submit the paperwork to MBSCSA and then go from there. So I was like, all right, whatever. I, I just literally was like, I graduated Friday. I was taking test Tuesday, right? So I would do that too. I would want. I know. And, and I, I want like, it fresh. That's <laughs> yeah. So I went to the facility. I sat down at the desk. I had like crazy positive energy. I turn the computer on, and the first thing that comes up reads across like you know, uh, question number one, like. And a cranial nerve is dissected and blah, 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 whatever it was. It was, I was like, I, I stopped for a second and I looked around the screen and I said, is this for a physician's <laughs> Like I'm looking to make sure I thought I'm like, I get something wrong. Like I'm looking around and I'm like, this is this, a, is this for like a doctor? <laughs> I right? signed up for the wrong exam. <laughs> where I swear I was like, what the, like nothing I've studied. It, not that I didn't study, I must have read it. Uh, so I was, I, so I was like sweating. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I go through it. I'm like answering. I'm like answering, answering, answering. I got to the end of the test, right? And I'm like, my brain is mush. It's absolute yes. mush. How I many questions off, do you remember? Was it uh, one, back then? It was like 175, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 175, 20 or 25, I guess, get thrown out. Mm -hmm. You had to get over. Uh, 130 at the time it was higher. Yeah. yeah at the time it was a lot higher. yeah they dropped it years later uh <laughs> so i finished the test and it it goes blank, right and i'm like okay so <laughs> i get up and i'm like all right and then i thought it was going to say something i go out to the, the desk and they go it there's it's it's not printing there's not it's not it's not calculated and oh like, no yeah so what i did Right. And I didn't realize this because I had to not, then I'm freaking out. So I left the place not knowing. Right. Oh I, my go God. Outside, I go outside and I swear to you, this is hilarious. 
I walk out of this building so mind joggled that I looked around and I was like, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> I don't know where my car is. I don't, I don't know, know my name. I'm like, where am I? And I drive home and I'm like, and talk about anxiety. Yeah. Like I had, you know, two children born. I've gone through, you know, the triples and trials of everything. And I'm like, everything is riding on this. And if yeah. I fail, I fail, I pass, I pass, whatever. Like, I think the that, not knowing. That, like, that's correct. It's horrible. That's correct. So I cool. go back and I contacted Trey. I'm like, I'm like calling everybody under the sun. They're like, listen, we need to submit the paperwork. They need to get the paperwork in order to let you know if you pass. So I was literally, I have this on my phone. You can text Trey. Actually, <laughs> I remember how many times, I mean, this is like probably now what, 22, yeah. seven, eight years ago. I must have called him, text him like every other day. Like, he's like, just leave me alone. Like, you're driving me crazy. I'm like, I can't take it anymore. But no, so I passed. I got the letter. I actually passed pretty, like, pretty flying. Like, high flying colors. Like, better than I, I thought of. So I thought That's I wonderful. Because you trusted your gut. Yeah. And, and you I, put in the work. I, right. I, and yeah. it, it circled back. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not changing anything. Like, uh -huh. I, knew what, what, I knew what my gut said. And I said, just don't do it. But I felt miserable. Right. Two, weeks, two weeks of like not knowing. Oh my gosh. So, so you're just, so you're back at your job waiting. Yep. And you can't do anything as a yeah. first assist. And nope. so you're like, just in limbo. They're like waiting, like, they want to like order me a cake, like, congratulations. And I'm like, yes. don't, like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, it was so bad. Oh. But, but it came through. I passed. I was like, un like super surprised. Um, and the facility was phenomenal. They literally, that was the first, the first, first assist in my hospital to get like a position. Yeah. And I, I knew the director when I did orientation, do you know that, that TV show undercover boss? Yes. Okay. When I orientated, when I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, we orientated in a, in a room with a bunch of new people, nurses, and this one and that one and this mm -hmm. one. And I sat next to people and afterwards, just being who I am, I'm like talking to everybody and shaking hands with everybody. And Don't say, did you make friends? I'm not yeah, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to one lady. She's like, yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm New York. I'm like, I have, we have a house in, in PA, you know, whatever. Um, so we became really good friends. When I came, when I went to my hospital, right, we're sitting there and I met my boss. And I love my boss. Like the person I work for, director of the whole periop. She's sitting there and she's like pacing around. I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, the, like the highest person, like the CEO of all of these hospitals, like three or four hospitals is coming around to like inspect and meet everybody. Right. That is awesome. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. So doors open up and I'm like in my scrubs. I'm like, whatever. And I've only been there for like three weeks. Yeah. A whole bunch of people come in all suits and stuff. And I look and I say, oh my God, hey, Stephanie, how are you? And my, my director looks at me, she goes, how did you know her? She's the boss. I'm like, what? So I had like a personal relationship with like the, the head of all of it. That is and wonderful. She, she, knew, she knew what I wanted to do before everybody else. Because I was in orientation going, I'm here to be a first. So I'm here to like come. I moved a thousand miles away to, to pursue my dream. To yeah. do this. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I think this is a great point for us to kind of take a pause. Um, so now, you know, we've talked about your awesome experience in school. And so 
uh, this next half of our episode, I really want to focus on what the job looks like for you and kind of a day in the life. So we'll take just a few minutes um, and then we'll be back, everybody. All right, so we're back. Uh, we're refreshed because we were a bit parched, right? Uh, kids haven't burnt down anybody's house, so uh, that's really that's always a good thing, right? Yeah. So, um, first job out of school, you did your undercover boss orientation, uh, and you'd already had an, a relationship. And I just kudos to that hospital system for kind of taking you and wrapping their arms around you and supporting you through this whole journey. Um, loyalty, I think, is a big deal, but I think nowadays it's a bit rare. Correct. Uh, so I love that I I love that you had that from them. Yeah. Can I give can I give, I just want to give everybody a bit of advice. Yes. If you set the tempo and if you set the bar higher than what is expected. You will always get good results. So I personally put every surgeon I work with, like their utmost focus and energy and positivity that in the long run, I think that, and I know this for a fact, after these cases, after these crazy days, the surgeons would go talk to the director. They'd go in and be like, listen. Like you have a great team. Like Jason is insane. Like if if he leaves, like we're leaving. Like they were. It, it got to a point where it was too much. When you when you and I I'm not listening. I'm never gonna stop. I will never change my work ethic. But you just have to realize like these surgeons like now they have it made. Um. So I kind of felt like just putting in that effort allowed me to like get that position to be that position um and then it, it just it, everything just snowballed um and Don't you think uh, that eager like if you're eager and you're passionate oh, yeah. those things will trump knowledge mm-hmm. and they will open doors for you that you know it, it definitely can you just have to focus on learning like mm-hmm. so I, I i learned something new every mm-hmm. single day every single day yesterday was something new um and just that's the focus don't become like i i you know listen everyone has their ups and downs there's times where i didn't feel well and i was probably just putting in par effort um but my par effort was probably better than most um but that that's the focus the focus is don't don't never stop learning and always kind of give it your 100 percent focus um that all snowballed and i got i the position was mine I went to a salary position. Roper was phenomenal. I worked, um, I mean, all the way up until COVID. So if you want to talk about like my profession, like you want to talk about my career? Yeah, let's start though. Um, what, when you, when you first got out of school, did you work for the hospital? And right. then were you, um, were you with specific surgeons all the time or is it, were you assigned a room similar to how we are as a CST? Um, so being the one of, I'm a C, 
CSFA that was hired full time for my facility, there was an RNFA that worked with me. Mm-hmm. She would circulate and 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 first assist. So if there was multiple cases, she would do both. You know, she'd scrub, she'd circulate, and then she'd first assist. Right. But what I was doing was basically a salary. So I'd show up at 7 a.m. and I had you know two breast reductions, and then they're like, "Oh, Jason, something emergent came in, like an an X lap. Go go directly into there." Right. So that's that's how it was going. Every day I was doing something amazing. Um, did you take call as a, as a first assist? I did not take. I did not have to take call. Um, only because there was only one. Right. One at, the, at my facility. Um, so it was just I, I couldn't do it. You know. Yeah. Um, and it started off. It started off great. It started off. Um, you know, I I come in. I I was putting in ten, eight, ten, twelve hour days. Um. And then it, it just it had, ends up doing that every day. Right. So then what happened? Um, I guess, what was your next move after that? So doing that for many years, I figured, um, you know, uh, my work-life balance mm-hmm. was, was, was leaning more towards work, right? Because 10-hour, 12-hour days, five days a week, I mean, you're now, now you're up there. So... Yeah. Um, not that I was getting burned out, but I just, I definitely felt that I was just, I was good at what I do and you're good at what you do. You do, you work. They right. put you where it needs. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the, the smart analyst to do like the smart way to do it for me was to go out on the own. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that was my next step. So I ended up leaving and coming back as a per diem contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but the surgeons that I worked with through all these many different years all work elsewhere. So when I told them, and I, I, I basically just kind of said, hey guys, like I'm taking, a, I'm taking a break and I'm stepping out. I'm gonna go on my own. I'm starting yeah. my own company. Um, it, I was so nervous. I, I, I still remember, I was so nervous because I put in five, you know, what is it, 15, 16, 17, I put in like three and a half years of like 50 hour weeks, right? Yeah. And as soon as I kind of gave my notice and they knew it was for real, my phone lit up, right? So I had emails and, and voicemails and texts like, why don't you come work with me? Why don't you come work for us? Come work with me. Every single person I worked with was basically like, I can, I can bring you this. So I took a tabloid calendar and I wrote down like who I would, so my options and who do I work well with? Who do I work best for? And I basically came up with a schedule. You know, I so work. Is that, people. yeah, go ahead. Cause I, I'm curious as to why, um, why starting your own company which to me seems a daunting task, but how that was going to um, make things easier, I guess, or or just help with that. Is it because you can control your own schedule? That's correct. Um, what about benefits and you know the well, things that we think about when we work for these massive corporations? Um, how did you manage all of that? Not that you have to get into you know too much no, personal no. stuff. I'm just super I, curious. I, I, I think it's a great, I think that's a great question. And the, and the, the answer is my wife 
works for a medical company. She's a medical coder and she takes the benefits. Her benefits always overweighed. And we, we looked at both packages. Yeah. I never took the benefits for where I work. So I didn't have to worry about that, um, that aspect. All I had to worry about was bringing in, um, you know, bringing in the cash, you know, bringing in yeah. money, making money. So what so I you did had for- control over your schedule as well, yeah. right? Like, so, yeah. And, and to be honest, like I, I told the facility, I told the, the main facility I worked for, I would prefer to have gone hourly because you're, you're, you're banging me for 50, 60 hours a week, right? Yeah. Um, so they, they kind of were like, nah, we're not going to, you know, we don't want to do that. You stay on salary and we'll, whatever. When you get a day off, you get a day off. You know, when it's light, you can leave. But that was never, I mean, that was never. It's never light. <laughs> the times that I'm light is like, I need a vacation, you know, like I'm, I need to take off. So mathematically, and then let's, I did commercial real estate. Like I, if, if you want to talk about numbers, I'm a guy who is like figuring out millions of dollars worth of gross net net, you know, like, so I did the numbers and I knew um, it was a risk. I could always go back, but sure. by doing my own company, um, I control my hours. I control who I work with and I get hours. I get hours. So all of it panned out. I mean, I'm working, not that I'm working less, I'm working the 40, you know, 40, 50 hours, but I'm getting paid more. For 40 or 50 hours. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting, um, I'm getting compensated for the, the work I'm putting in. So I have questions about that because, um, you, you know, I've lived all over the country and, and that's been a wonderful experience. Everywhere I've lived, billing for yeah. services in, in your, you know, in your career field, it seems to be very regional. It is. is. So So, how do you navigate that? Are you billing, are you billing surgeons? Are you billing insurance companies? Is it a combination? So, um, so that's actually a really good question because I can answer it in two different ways. One, when I moved to South Carolina, um, I needed my CEUs, right? But I also knew that the pay for CSPs was terrible, right? Yeah. I knew that I knew what a CSFA was going to be for. I knew what a first assist was going to make, but I also needed my CEUs. We all did, right? So mm-hmm. I went to the, the South Carolina State Assembly to get my CEUs, and I met somebody I went to school with in Meridian. And I was like, I was amazed, right, that yeah. the pay for South Carolina surgical technologists was so low, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, so I was just, I was just very, very, uh, like an emotional guy, right? I love people I work with. I love people I'm surrounded with. And I hate seeing them struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm from New York. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it no matter what. I've got five jobs. It doesn't matter. I knew what I was going to make at CSFA. And at the time, I started making it. Mm-hmm. My friend was like, listen, you are so good at what you do. Why don't you be a board member? Why don't you try to make a difference? Why don't you join the... And I, and I did. That's, that's why I got involved with S, uh, the SC, the South Carolina State Assembly was to just help out and try to grow the, the surgical technologists to make more money, right? Just that, that's why that answers that kind of one thing. I also did that with ASA. Mm-hmm. Now, that's more of a personal, I think, I, I don't want to say that's more um, uh, selfish, but it is. Yeah. I want South Carolina to be recognized for services that we can charge our patients. 
I would love to be able to bill a patient for my service. And in some states, in some states you can. Um, Like I can name all their laws, their legislation laws with ASA backing them has helped and they're making great money. I can move my whole family right now and make double my salary in Texas. And I've been offered by like Elias Perez, like guys who own really great companies. Yeah. Well, like I like where I live. I, yeah. I love the people. I love the people here. I'm, I say I'm, a, I'm, I'm New York raised, but I'm Southerner by heart. <laughs> well, I, I can relate because, you know, I, I am a Texas girl, uh, lived in Texas for the majority of my life unless the military took me other places. Um, and, uh, and so just did a huge leap of faith to East Tennessee, um, in November. So I get that you have to weigh pros and cons. Um, and it's not just about you. It's about your work life balance and, and loving where, you know, loving the drive in, uh, loving what you do. Yeah, I get that. So what is, what is a day in the life as a CSFA for you today? Um, especially the one who owns their own business. I'm curious as to how much time is in the OR versus how much time is business billing. How do you, uh, what does it look like on a Monday morning for you? So a Monday morning for me is going to be with plastic. So I do plastics reconstruction mainly and plastics. That's where the money is at privately, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of recon, a lot of reductions on big sewing cases. I was about to say, you suture all day, every day. I'm a sewing machine. (laughs) I will take a breast or a four and a half hour breast reduction and it's going to be done in two and a half hours. If, if, awesome. if, um, so I'm, I'm skilled with the knife. I'm skilled with the bovie. I mean, we double, I double bovie on most of my cases. Like I literally will mimic. And the, the, now the surgeons don't even look. They just, they, Jason goes, I go, let's go. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I sold myself. I sold myself as to like, you know, I can't charge the insurance company. I can't charge the patient unless you decided to charge the patient for my service. But ultimately, your four hour case is done in two hours. Your six hour mommy makeover is done in four hours instead of six. That extra two hours, let's do another breast off. Let's do something else. So that's how you're increasing your bottom line. Correct. I'm making money, but I'm making the surgeons, the offices, the facilities so much money. Yeah. Um, OR time is what, $1,500? I don't even know, an hour? Maybe I try more. to tell my students exactly like time is money. And I think until they get maybe into a more elevated yeah. um, path in their career, they really don't understand mm-hmm. how much, like how real that statement is. You know? It is. It is. Um, oh, our time is very expensive. So I personally, that's, that's how my motto has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here to get a job done. I'm here. You know, I, I set an example, like I said before, like Meridian, Meridian, when I went there, was like, listen, we don't want, we don't want people coming out of, out of our school just doing the minimum. You come out of here, you're going to be better than a PA. You're, you're not, you know, obviously I don't round on patients and I do that, but in the operating room, like yeah. behind a surgeon, I'm like, I know everything there is about what's going on. Um, I know what needs to be done. I know what needs to be in the room. Um, mm-hmm. So it's good. I, I'm a team player though. 
Yeah. My goal, my first thing when I walk into an OR with a team, how can I help you? How can I, how can I help the surgical technologist? How can I help the circulator? What does anesthesia need? Um, you set the tempo doing that instead of walking in and expecting anything. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're you're going to have a phenomenal reputation. I love that. Go in helping people first. So what are you doing when you're not in an OR and taking care of patients? So outside of OR, a wife, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old son, going to be 15, a 13-year-old daughter. I love so it. I have a family. We are active. I play tennis. Um, I'm, uh, I'm just into exercise. I'm into basically uh, taking care of myself, which I started doing a couple of years ago, like, you know, mainly focusing on me. Yeah. Um, starting my own company, I didn't want to basically go out and, and um, fall apart, you know. Yeah. So how is... How's the business aspect of it? So when you're not in an operating room, operating on patients and assisting oh, yourself, yeah. um, you know, how much of that is then time spent on promoting your business or, or is it kind of a low oiled machine now? You know? It is. It's, uh, <laughs> That's a it's great place so, to be. So it's so weird being, being a person of networking, being a person of optimism. Um, I don't have to do anything anymore. Like, People, people contact me. I've been, I've had multiple job offers. Um, <clears throat> what I don't do is I won't extend, overextend myself. So I'll never like promise. I don't promise anybody anything. Like I'll never promise somebody and not come through. Right? Your word is your bond. Uh, so if I can't do it. I can't do it. If I can do it, I'm gonna be there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have just a, my schedule. I'm booked for this whole year. Um, so if someone calls like Jan, I, I need something. If I can move things around, if it's for a friend, like for instance, I'm I'm on vacation, staycation this next week. But a friend of mine, thank you, a friend Super of mine. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time coming, but it's uh, it's fine. I'm I'm just happy or whatever. But my a friend of mine is having surgery, mm -hmm. um, and she asked if I could help her. So I'm like, I mean, I'm gonna do it. I mean, of course, yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not a no brainer. If I wasn't here, I mean, obviously it couldn't help me, but right. look, I'm going to be in town. So like, I will go out over and beyond for people I know, families, you know, your families, your mother fell down, she broke her hip. They're like, I, I can go help, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So any, any it. memorable it. moments, like any, any cases or, you know, obviously we're not going to break HIPAA, but I don't mm -hmm. know. Uh, when we first talked about doing the podcast and I said, I want to know about like any, any moments that are yeah, those stand out in your head? Uh, did anything come to mind? You know, I, it's so, uh, you know, all right. It, so if I do, if we did the mathematics, right? Because I'm a math guy. This, this <laughs> You're a numbers guy. Every single, every single patient I work on gets my full attention. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember like anything that stands. I remember funny things that stand out. Because Ooh. like I said, humor Humor is is like what I, is my stress relief. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So if things are crazy and in it, humor is the only way that I, that I can express it. I do it in the OR. I do it outside of life. Um, I don't. I don't often get mad. Like you, if you spoke with somebody I know and anybody I've worked with over the last fifteen years, whatever, they've probably never seen me aggravated or mad. Um, but I'll throw humor out just to kind of get like myself <laughs> out of it. 
So tell me a funny story. All right, so here, ready? Yeah. And your students would love this. I, I tell this to students because this stands out because it's the, it's the to me it's funny and it's like, it just doesn't make sense. So yeah. I'm a student, I'm going into a room to give lunch, right? Brand new. And the person I'm going into is a female surgeon, oncologist, GYN oncology. Now I've only heard rumors of her. She was like the perfect, like she had an entourage, right? Medical University, so she literally like ran the roost. Five women are always walking behind her, and um, I guess I could, I could use her first name, Eve, right? So Doctor Eve, or it's Chad, but that whatever. So I go in the room and I'm just, I scrub in, and I usually like I like to introduce myself. And she's under laparoscopic, right? She's got two things going. They're doing a, a hysterectomy with staging and all this other stuff, and I'm like, okay, complex. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, this is, this is, and I got to go in and kind of set my tone. So I come in, I go, I go, Dr. Dr. Eve, I'm going to say, Dr. Eve. So Dr. Eve, hi, I'm Jason. I'm a new surgical technologist. Um, it's a pleasure to, to, to meet you. Um, and I'm going to give, you know, my, my co-part here a break for lunch. So she's like, sure, come up to, come up to the side of me, right? And yeah. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I'm like squeezing in between like four or five people because there's always people, residents, she's like, mm-hmm under the thing and I go up against her and she looks over and you know I'm a guy like the only guy in the room and she's like uh Jason can you pull my sleeve back right so I'm like okay so I grab her <laughs> I grab her collar of her sleeve where her glove is and yeah. I start tugging it back and she looks over and she goes the laparoscopic sleeve <laughs> I was like oh my god like what am I doing like she was hysterical directly <laughs> laughing she literally lost it I think like she was crying and I was like because I was just think I was just flustered as a student I'm like why would I put like her actually yeah like her your glove sleeps fine right yeah. down back and she looked like, <laughs> the laparoscopic <laughs> I was like oh my god that's just a funny story because it's like you know it's I, I didn't know where I was doing you know I was a student oh my god I yeah. love moments I, like yeah so and I listen I always tell students that I meet um you're gonna make mistakes Uh, everyone is gonna make mistakes learn from your mistakes and if I tell you something it's because I've made that mistake (laughs) right so everything I give every person I teach or every person I tell I'm telling them because I will try to save them from a mistake that I which I made a million things yeah which I also think it's like kids you know your dad like we try to tell them what we did wrong so that they will not do the same thing and of course you're going to turn around and do it anyway but um yeah you can't take the humanity out of what we do and you shouldn't but it's about like first of all how did you react to the mistake and then also like how did you correct it you know yeah I love that I love that you talk to students Um, and also I think I also want to talk to you about your involvement with, um, you know, the professional organizations and, um, you know, AST and the CST credential and all of that. But CSTs are are the main feeder for the surgical first assisting career path. That's correct. And and so I love that um, that you are uh, and you're. I'm going to share. So you're a current board of director for South Carolina. That's right. And I've been, I've been doing it since 
15, I took a year off to go work with ASA, but I, I probably could have stayed on. I was always a committee. I'm always, I've always been an advisor or a committee member. Yeah. I've, I've been with them since 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we've gone, we've grown leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. That's wonderful. I love that. I'm, you know, uh, I think I'm biased. Like I'm always been a state assembly person too. Um, so, but I love that because it helps advocate for that profession. Um, but I think you, uh, as a CSFA can, can really act as a mentor, oh, which yeah. that's what teaching is, right? It's being a mentor and encouraging people that, you know, you can also be on this path, um, if you want to, and, and it works out that way, you know? So, um, I love that you honor your CST as much as you honor yours. Okay. Well, you can't have, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a natural stepping stone. Yeah. There's, in my opinion, there really, there's just an advancement in, and I don't separate CST, CSFS. Mm -hmm. uh, because at any moment I could be, I could scrub a table and I can assist a surgeon. Um, so there's no separation between it because um, we're all team players. And if a CST wants, and I ask every CST I meet, would you be interested in, in, in becoming a, a first assist? I've trained. I, I can't even tell you how many people I have personally trained. Like Trey has trained me. I'm on the same pathway. I mean, I don't, I usually get a CSFA students that I kind of like, bring along and, and guide them um and i have fun doing it as well i'm i'm more of a a, a c1 do one teach you know what i mean c1 do one teach one that's, yeah. that's how i learn that's how i do it let me do the first one jump in on the second one and if you got the third one it's you should know it um <laughs> but if not but if not you know i'm, I'm always there sure um so I yeah think that's uh, awesome. yeah i am a huge that see that's why i absolutely love um, the state advice, you know, the state level stuff is because I get to reach the masses. I get to reach all these other people. These they come out of nowhere. They're they're quiet. They're 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 interested. And I'm an open book. I'm. I mean, I, sometimes I don't look. I, I don't look the part. You know, I'm co I'm covered in tattoos and you know I'm like a little stocky guy. Um, but I'm super friendly, open, and I let them know right off the bat. Like, anybody interested in talking, come talk to me. I'll give you the time of day. Um, I, you know, I give my business cards, my social network. I'm super social. So. Yeah. I think that um, throughout this podcast, one of the reoccurring themes in this episode today has been your networking and yeah. how many ways we have all networked by being involved in AST, by being involved on a state level, attending national conferences and yeah. Um, you know, for my field specifically, the educators conference. And uh, there are so many people that we've all, you and I have met that way. Um, yeah. And that has opened doors for you and got you from point A to point Z, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was, and it all, luckily, I've had all that training when I was younger, you know, when I was mm -hmm. doing commercial real estate, trying to sell multi, multi-million dollar buildings. Um, yeah. You know, it put me in front of these uh, these multi-millionaires that people would normally quiver and be nervous. And I was trained to, you're a human being. So I take that same exact thing. And I, you know, I always give um, uh, courteous, I'm very, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, I give everybody um, respect. Yes. Surgeons get my respect. I mean, everyone gets respect, but I also look at my my 
fellow surgeon as my friend, mm-hmm. as a human being. They have feelings, I have feelings, they have a family, we have a family. You know, so it's like I'm able to to help focus and communicate. That's the word. I communicate what needs to be communicated and they love it. I mean, they're like, they're inviting like, go out to lunch. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't see that in other avenues. Back in New York, it was totally different. Surgeons were like completely separated off. In South Carolina, I come down and I'm like, they're like, let's go have lunch. I'm like, let's go. You're like, it's it's how you set the tone. Right. And that, there's a quote in my gym. It says, um, don't adapt to the energy in the room, create the energy in the room. I've heard that, that before. And I, I think it rings so true. And yeah. I also think that connecting, we should, we as just a society, not to go down this rabbit hole, but we need to connect on a human level wow. way more than we need to connect on a title, um, right. you know, or um, social standing or professional standing and I think the world could use a lot of that right now I agree. Uh, yeah and also I think that your involvement in the AST uh, state level you mentioned that you've had you've had the ability to talk about increasing pay for um for your for your uh, colleagues and you can really make a difference and advocate just like we advocate for our patients but also advocate for yourself yeah. Um, and, and you'll see the benefits of that. So, you know, I encourage people to be more involved. I'm sure you are too. Oh yeah. The, the involvement. So, and I've learned this from a, um, a really nice lady who passed away. Um, she was part of ASA and ASD when they were together. Um, Karen Ludwig. So she said, if you want to get anything done, Jason, she said, you need numbers. You need, you need to get everybody together. You need to get first assist. You need to get CSDs, get them all together at your conferences and build yourself a group, a mass. You can only get things done in mass. So I was like, well, that's, and that was 2000, uh, uh, 2016, 2017, we started talking yeah. and it's worked. Um, it's worked. It's, it's still a process where I'm trying to reach um, people that don't come out to these meetings. Now, when AST decides to go do a two-year recertification cycle mm-hmm. that actually is going to increase and it, it's not necessarily a bad thing because hopefully i'll get more um get my fingers to people that aren't coming for your live cds or not coming out and we as this as and i don't know if you do this in tennessee but in south carolina we meet multiple times we have multiple zoom meetings between our state uh, assemblies yeah we're we constantly deciding to go through our state i was just up in greenville which is four and a half, four hours from Charleston. We'll come down to Charleston in the fall. We'll go up to Florence right near North Carolina. We'll go down south. We rotate our schedule to try to be closer to our members. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I think that people. servant leadership yeah. described. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think that also you set the tone for those meetings as well. And and so you bring the energy that, hey, I'm here, I can help you, I want to serve you, sure. what can I do to make your life better? Um, and you're right, numbers matter. Uh, CST, CSFA, we should speak yeah. together. Um, that's I a have- whole other podcast. I will go down that yeah. uh, that road <laughs> on a different different date. But sure. I love, I just, I love that. I love that encouragement. And I think, especially on social media, you've seen it. Yeah. People will gripe in a heartbeat. 
but it's like to get them to get to that next step where, well, help me come up with a solution. Like, right. let's, let's fix it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that bump is a hard one to get over, you know? Yeah. I am, um, I'm a man of action. And, and when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I yeah. stand up, I, I've said this billions of times, but I'll stand up for people that don't want to stand up. Mm-hmm. I, love you know, I do the work that nobody wants to do. I mean, it all look, me and you, we're it's completely volunteer. 100% of, of what we do, uh, state level, ASA, everything I've done is, is come out of my time, my personal time. Um, but I'm doing it because no one else wants it, no one else. And if I'm not, I'm, I don't want people to get angry or, or get upset that, you know, you, everyone has a right to gripe and everyone has a right to do things, but um, I know how to get things done. Yeah. And, you gotta well, and, and let's get creative and let's figure out how to fix it right. so we can go gripe about something else. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, I think when you're passionate about something, uh, you just, you want to kind of immerse yourself in it. And sometimes that means volunteering and it means doing the hard work when, right. when uh, it's not necessarily fun, but God, it's so rewarding. Um, yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of wrap up, um, sure. and first of all, uh, I, I've loved your journey. Thank you so much for being so open and honest and sharing all of it. And what, what are your closing words for someone who is, sees where you're at right now, sees the journey and thinks, you know, this might be something for me. It, it's lighting that spark, like a tonsillectomy. <laughs> on a cold day right yeah yeah so closing remarks jason uh you uh, you know stepping stones everything is a stepping stone um you can always reach out to me if you have questions uh you know i'm an i'm an open book uh and i'm here to help um just keep on grinding you know don't let anybody tell you you can't do it i love that and uh, if I have your permission, I'll put your contact information on our web page. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. What's the name of your company? Surgical Alliance. Surgical Alliance. Awesome. Well, very good. Um, I, as I mentioned, our webpage, it's the scrublifepodcast.com. And I will put information, uh, not just about Jason and how to reach out to him, but also Meridian yeah. uh, and information about the NBST CSFA exam. Lots of things and a link to this episode. So national surgical first week. There you go. I know. Well, I think this is a phenomenal way to kind of wrap up that week uh, and celebrate you all. And uh, I just I love you as a person. I so respect and admire what you've done. And thank you for spending. Huh? Give me a New Orleans. I am. All right, we'll see you, I'll see you there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, big things are coming to national. So uh, I look forward to seeing everybody in person, right. not on this Zoom stuff. So very well, cool. Thank you very well, much for having me. Thank you for spending your uh, your morning with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm here for you too. Anything I can do, y'all let me know. So. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that's day. absolutely you too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Scrub Life Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Scrub Life Podcast. 
show notes for this episode as well as past episodes our contact information and the virtual suggestion box can be found at our webpage thescrublifepodcast.com this has been chris blevins and stephanie austin with the scrub life podcast until next time be safe support each other and stay sterile Mm -hmm.